Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Anybody that follows me and Jordan on Twitter saw that uh, I put a tweet out that said, uh, my boy, Jordan, was ready to record, so... Happy New Year, buddy. How you feeling? Uh, um, my my heart rate has slowed dramatically, uh, but all in all, the new year has started exceptionally well for your boy over here. I would, I would say 2024 is off to a pretty good start for a candidate for year year of the life for for Jordan. We'll see. Still got a big game to go, but obviously we're alluding to the fact that Jordan is a Michigan fan. Michigan pulled out the Rose Bowl college football game. We're going to save that for last. Uh, very excited. I'll say this. I'm more excited to talk to you about that game uh, than I am about my game and a couple other of the, of the games Oof. on here. Um, I, as predicted, did you keep it pretty tame for your New Year's Eve uh, oh, yeah. fun? Yep. I was I was completely sober New Year's Eve. Yep. I drank way too much water. And as I could tell, because as I'm getting older, I had to get up in the middle of the night and pee several times because of how much water I had. But I was fully hydrated and ready for yesterday, and it paid off. So So the thought process was you started the hydration New Year's Eve. You wanted to be at your peak fan-watching performance on New Year's Day. Yep, I was ready to go. Got some spicy wings in me, but like a couple hours before the game, okay. just you know, really get the football blood boiling. That's yeah, it was it was set up pretty nice and ready to go. My wife kept asking me all day. She's like, "How you feeling?" And every hour, it's like the anxiety started to build a little bit more. And then about four o'clock, she just quit asking because you could apparently I was wearing it on my face. And yes, I have this little thing that I tend to do when I get anxious. Just where I start wandering around the house and picking things up or just doing little random things. And apparently she could see that and she noticed that. So she just stopped asking at one point and she just knew. It's funny that relationship between husband and wife where 99, roughly percent of the time, the wife is not committed to the football team as much as the husband is. So they, they put up with it. Maybe, I don't know if it's the case with you, with mine, slightly amused, mostly annoyed. But give you the space because they know it's quote unquote your thing, and it sounds like that's what you got inside the Jordan family. Uh, she, you know, she likes football. She watches yeah. the games. She sits and actually watches them. She's definitely not near the diehard level as to what you or I are, but she watches the games. And I think I amuse her at times, and other times, like you said, I, I annoy her. But you know, that's part of being married, right? <laughs> part of it. Uh, speaking of. Certainly, I'm not going to share the video, but Jordan was nice enough to share oh, a video yeah. to me of him being caught celebrating the last uh, play of the game, which, again, obviously, will break down. <clears throat> Truth be told, I showed my family, uh, all the, the, the ancient <laughs> Greeks, my uh, brother and, and nephew uh, that were there watching the game with me. We all got a kick out of it, so I appreciate you sending it to me. It's good to see raw emotion from a fan like that. That's why I, That's why we do all this, right? I, hey, when I sent it to you, I said, hey, I'm trusting you with this because it's you know yeah it is what it is but that that was that was 100 raw in the moment i just set it up and said you know what i don't know what's going to happen here but we're gonna we're gonna see what happens so it's nothing bad it's not like no, it's not like no. jordan broke any laws or if it got out it would it would tragically embarrass you it, it was it was just funny it was raw emotion <laughs> yeah. from a fan uh for me Obviously didn't have quite as big a game that I was getting geeked up for on New Year's Day. But shout out to the middle brother, uh, Darren the American, and his wife. They hosted a New Year's Eve party that we had a good time with. Still, you're out of there and back to the ancient Greeks house before, you know, the clock struck midnight. Because, again, that's that's how you roll in this stage of your life. But overall, great weekend. Shout out also, if I could, to the ancient Greeks who had myself, my wife, and my two kids staying with them for for over four days uh it was it was an extended breakdown in iowa uh which was a lot of fun so anyways with that being said let's go ahead and get into the football we already broke down the uh minnesota and northwestern wins on the previous podcast we got quite a few bowl games to break down we'll go through these first ones a little bit quicker first one up the pinstripe bowl Rutgers 31 miami 24 the scarlet knights with 292 yards of total offense to the canes 300 and 11 
we had a lot of good bulls. If you if you break this down, I mean, there maybe since we're going a little bit back in time, people forgot. Like, there's been some good bulls here. This was a really good bull. In some years, dang it, you could probably say it would have been one of, if not the best bull. Rutgers showed up, played a Canes team that came back after we kind of thought Rutgers was just going to walk away and it was going to be a disinterested Hurricanes team. But they came back, made it a game. Rutgers had to retake the lead. Awesome showing for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I mean, in baseball stadiums, you know, I've been I've been off vocal about yep. I'm not a fan of baseball stadiums, but points, points are plenty. And I mean, both teams kind of doing it the way they wanted to. Rutgers was running the ball. Our, our guy, the fun guy, he was getting loose. And I, I mean, people are going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn this name. I mean, yes. the Big Ten, our listeners, we know that you know <laughs> who he is. But America's going to have to learn this name because this kid is legitimately a damn good running back. It was funny because during the uh, uh, game, the ESPN announcers, Disney announcers were saying, this is a name that people aren't as familiar with. We are. And I tweeted out, hey, we know this guy. This is one of our favorites. 163 yards and a touchdown, 6.5 yard average. So he showed out. I would say this is a, w- one of the bulls. There were several bulls where, you know, what do we have, right? And, and I'm talking across the Big Ten. Do we have bad offenses in the Big Ten or good defenses in the Big Ten? I think maybe the jury is still out on all sides because there were instances where these horrible Big Ten offenses, well, they sure looked a lot better when they weren't going against the Big Ten defense. On the other side, some of the Big Ten defenses maybe didn't look as good as they did during the year when they got a conference as well. So like, I feel like there was a give and take on a lot of these Bulls on that topic right there. This, this was one of them. Rutgers' offense really looked about as good as it had in quite some time. I mean, you'd have to go all the way back to like September-ish when they've gone against, you know, really light competition. This Rutgers offense looked good. Gavin Wimsett didn't set the world on fire, 7 to 15, 84 yards, but no picks. He did what he needed he to do. He, he didn't some... throw the pick six, the dreaded right. pick six that right. we're always talking about. He didn't do it. Uh, uh, the What do we call that? The 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 whim six, I think, is that what I dubbed it? When it was, me and yeah, you were, you were the yeah, whim six. I think that's what it was, the whim yeah. six. Like, so oh, there was like, no uh, whim six in this game. Hate it, but. Well, they, they understand that's where the losses came from in some of these games. So no whim six, did what he had to do, did some stuff on the ground. Rutgers defense, two sacks, four tackles for loss, forced a turnover. Shout out to Greg Schiano and the team. that Nobody, and I mean nobody, Hand up, included right here, that follows this conference as hard as I possibly can. Nobody predicted Rutgers to get to a bowl, win the bowl, finish with a winning record at 7-6. and six. Awesome year for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I think, yeah, I think this, the trajectory arrow is definitely pointed up for the Scarlet Knights. I mean, a lot of the guys that we saw this year and in this game are coming back next Correct. year. Like, this team isn't going to change a lot. They're going to add pieces more than I think they lose pieces. So, yes, this Rutgers team as the Big Ten expands and gets rid of divisions it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them because I think they're trending the right way now you have an influx of teams coming in obviously that could make it a little tougher don't know what their schedule or does it make it a little bit easier when they don't right, have to say. play Michigan Penn State and Ohio State I don't State know every what their year. 24 schedule is but that's what I'm saying so if it plays out the right way you could see a Rutgers team that yeah come towards the end of next we'll year is really making some noise and they added some depth uh, officially where uh, yep. Ethan Kaliak-Manis, which had been rumored for quite some time to go uh, uh, join his former offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka. Not necessarily sure if he's better than Gavin Wimsett, but he adds depth for Rutgers. So good on Rutgers there. All right, moving on to our next one, the Cotton Bowl. Yikes, Missouri 14, Ohio State 3. The Tigers with 331 yards of total offense to the Buckeyes 203. If I can start here. Here's what we had. We had a absolutely stripped down Ohio State passing attack where the YOLO shots were no longer there. Why? Because the Maserati Marv did not play in this game. We weren't sure at the time of recording. I was really starting to think that maybe he was going to play. He does not. So you already have that. Now we, so we already knew we were to back up quarterback Devin Brown. He goes out of the game and just like that. I don't I don't know what offense won't take a step back 
when your absolutely number one explosive player at wide receiver is gone and you're suddenly down to your third string quarterback. I don't mean to make excuses for Ohio State, but to pretend that that wasn't a huge, huge factor in this game is just being silly. That's why we got the score that we got. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more layers to it also. I think even a bigger piece of this is the, the fact that their starting center, and I'm blanking on his first name, last name's Hinsman, gets benched for this game because of, quote, poor practices or whatever during the week. So they're off and their offensive line suffered drastically wow. for it. I'm, wow. I mean, they looked awful. I've never, I can't remember an Ohio state offensive line in my lifetime like that. I mean, it was turntables at times. They were yes. literally snap the ball, turning around guys were running past them. It was insane. And when you have that happen, I mean, it doesn't matter if Tom Brady or Peyton Manning are standing back there. It don't matter. You yep. got to give him a little bit of time. There was no running lanes because, I mean, Trevion Henderson played. You wouldn't have known it because he couldn't do anything. The offense literally had nothing, and I think it all started with that offensive line. And, I mean, a center is and a personnel. quarterback this, of the line. Yep. This is just this was a personnel thing, you know. Obviously, this is the big debate on Twitter. Do bowl games matter? Uh, uh, what can we do to fix bowls? Yada, yada, yada. This isn't the podcast where we're going to explore that. I think we should. But, but we're not going to go in-depth here. The best way I can try to quickly synapse it and say is some of these bowl games are a pretty accurate snapshot. Some of them are not. To me, this wasn't even close to an accurate snapshot of the Ohio State offense. I don't think I'm playing Big Ten apologists here. <laughs> I think it's obvious that's what we have. On the other side... Well, if you, I was going to say, if you want a prime example, look at the other side of the ball. Because Ohio State was mostly, and I still don't think it was all up to speed, but this was I mostly. The, I think the, the only like real player missing was Eichenberg. Otherwise, okay. I think the majority of their their main rotation pieces were there. Okay, but that's the Big Ten the linebacker of the year, so that's that sure. is a pretty I mean, big yeah, loss. It's, it's a loss, yes, absolutely for your defense. And they still mostly shut this this explosive Missouri offense down. So to me. Had we got something that even resembled what the Ohio State offense was this year, Ohio State would have murdered Missouri. That is my take on this. Jordan is agreeing with me. Maybe he doesn't want the audience to know that the Michigan man. No, I, I, I is, will say it. I think okay. it would have blown the doors okay. off. The okay. defense you, got tired. It's, that's all it was. It. it was the proverbial Ohio State needed to either force a pick six, do something on special teams, or just bust a play with Travian like, get loose somehow. I thought they were close a couple times, but it just never happened. So what do you get? You got the score that we got 14 to three, but make no mistake through three, th little over three quarters, Ohio state's defense was absolutely controlling this quote unquote explosive sec offense. But in the end, the personnel played out Ohio state loses and finishes 11 and two On to the next one. Not so good either. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Ole Miss 38, Penn State 25, Ole Miss with 540 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions, 510. Okay, I think we can kind of combine some of the stuff that we just said on these previous bowls and apply it here. Ohio, uh, Penn State's offense, which has gotten murdered by uh, fans outside of the Big Ten, this was 510 yards and 25 points. Versus this Ole Miss defense, this, these are some of the best stats they put up. Shame on me. I and maybe we just didn't know because I guess I didn't hear it from a guy Kirk or Jake. I did not know that Penn State had this many dudes out. I really thought it was just Chop Robinson. We were down to the the bottom of the cupboard, you know, or the back of the cupboard at quarterback. Then we lost Abdul Carter for a while. This was a severely pared down Penn State defense, and this is the result you get. Well, and I mean, the guys that did play only played the first half, and then after halftime, they didn't play the rest of the game. And apparently, this is a James Franklin thing with bowl games. This is how he gets some of these guys to play. He says, hey, just come play like the first half for me and put a little bit more out there, and then we're going to sub some guys in. I have made a note of that for gambling purposes yes. going forward for James Next Franklin year. games because that, okay. that is huge. I guess but so. apparently that's a that's a trend with him. This this is very clearly was not this Penn State defense. You could see it early on. 
this was not the Penn State defense that we had seen all year. And not again, even close. You lose Chop Robinson by himself. Huge. And that can change a whole game plan. Throw in the other pieces of the one King brother. I mean, yeah. Yep. It just it, – it, and we saw it from the jump that Penn State was controlling the line of scrimmage. But then as guys started going out of the game – and let's be honest, on the other side, Ole Miss has a head coach slash offensive coordinator in Baby Kiffin. The dude can dial up some plays. He's He is an offensive mind. It, it's not just at Ole Miss or Alabama. He's been doing it for quite some time. So, so I give him credit. I mean, you have to give the guy credit. I'm trying to look at this as, as neutral as I can. The guy can uh, uh, dial things up. Jackson Dart, 379 yards, three touchdowns. But Drew Aller, 295 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Penn State had 167 yards rushing and a 6.0 average yard average so again i don't know what how much was different if anything about old miss's defense and penn state ripped through it again i it just wasn't an accurate representation of both of these teams and i don't think i'm being biased or apologetic when i say even more so with penn state i mean when i said on the preview for this game was i didn't trust this old miss defense and that's exactly what i thought i would see from that old miss defense is what we got the the other side of it was i didn't realize that Penn State was going to be this thin and that defense was going to Correct. be so picked over. So fun game for a while, but in the end, Penn State loses and they finish the year two and three. Next game up, a little bit better news for for Big Ten fans. The Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. Another Big Ten on SEC matchup. Maryland 31, Auburn 13. Now here is the deal. Here's what's interesting. I don't think the score is actually that representative of what this was. Maryland jumped on them from the get-go and put them away. And then Auburn kind of hung around, came back a little. I mean, it's not like they were threatening anything, but here's the total yards. Terps with 310 to the Tigers 300. So the yards were almost the same. And then even crazier, we knew uh, Leah Tungaviola sat out of the game. I totally understand it. Moving on to the NFL. Billy Edwards, right? He must have come in and ripped it up. Six of 20. For 126 yards, one touchdown, no pick. They did okay on the ground, 102 yards. Not not the the stats you were expecting. In the end, I think Maryland and and Locks. We always talk. We've talked on this podcast for two three years now about when Locks wants to dial up a couple drives. Locks gonna dial up a couple drives. He did that here, and then just pretty much sat on that lead the rest of the game. Yeah, it was 21 nothing before I even realized the game had started. Like it, this, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like. I, I looked over and I was like, holy crap, it's seven nothing. Then I looked over, holy crap, it's 14 nothing. And then the second, it was just in an instant, it was 21 nothing. And like you said, they sat on it. They've been, Maryland forced four turnovers. So that's kind of Huge. why the stats don't exactly show it because you yep. deal with some short fields short in that fields. aspect. But I was impressed with what little bit we did see from Billy Edwards. I think he has a chance next year to be the guy for Maryland. He's not going to be what Leah is by any means. He's not that gunslinger throw it 45 times but he's big he's mobile and he's shown the ability to throw the ball a little bit so i think he can be a good player for them a little different than what they've had but i think he can be a good player agree and and cam edge maybe a little bit more similar to what we've seen out of locks we didn't see a ton of him but i think maryland fans got to be happy he at least showed out a little bit you know four of six 82 yards one touchdown did have the pick that's okay though you got the learning situation maybe a little bit with you know working up a lather in an actual you know division one football game got the mistake out of so I think Maryland fans should be happy there that's what's interesting is is what you know is Locks going to go find a quarterback is he happy with with what he's got here sometimes I think Locks could just you know mold about anything into a pretty good looking quarterback with with what he dials up but you know by the way apologies to, to Maryland fans. Apologies to, by the way, anybody who took my gambling advice across the board because I did, I after doing pretty darn good for the 2023 season, right at the end, man, I nosedived. I, I finished right around 500 for everything. Unfortunately, I did not have Maryland. Uh, I had Maryland covering. They they were getting points in this game, if I can, if I remember correctly. Didn't have him winning outright. You had him winning outright, obviously covering. So good on you. You were a lot closer in this game than I was. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I had a great week 
<laughs> my gambling endeavors either. But yeah, I did hit this one a little bit too. And you know, another thing I'll say, shout out to Maryland. This season could have gone off the tracks yes. badly for them. Yes. They were spiraling. It was it was getting ugly quick, and they righted the ship. They ended on a much higher note. Point. You get you get to eight and five versus a seven and six, six and seven type of year. It really changes kind of the feeling of the fan yes. base and to, to push forward to next year. Good on locks, get the win, and they finish at eight and five. That'll get us on to the new year. But before that, how about we read a little bit of tagline here? The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving in to the new year. This was also an amazing game. The ReliaQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl. LSU 35, Wisconsin 31. The Tigers with 492 yards of total offense to the Badgers 506. You're sort of happy how your team looked. If you are a Badger fan, if people can remember, this was a 10-point LSU spread. I didn't have much confidence in the Badgers in this game. With that being said, the Badgers should have won this game. They grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory. So, bitter game for Wisconsin, but overall, a really good showing and a fun bowl game to watch. I mean, they led the majority of the game. They, I mean, they came out blazing, just like we talked about with Maryland. They come out just hot. Tanner Mordecai slinging it all over the yard to uh, Pauling and Green. Those guys were just, it seemed like one of them was was open every single snap they, yes it was one of the two of those guys was open every, every single time and good on tanner mordecai he kept finding them um the wisconsin offense in general i think that's more of what phil longo wants it to look like yes now, that felt like a phil longo type of offensive game plan and scheme and and what they like how they were doing it it wasn't the condense things down and try to try to bring you into a box they spread it out okay they they, they opened it up a little bit more so that therein lies the interesting part. This is what uh, 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 we were talking about during the game, meeting uh, my my, my uh, uh, brothers and nephew. Yes, you're dead on. This is what Longo wants it to look like. Did Longo figure out this year that his offense has issues, quote unquote, looking like that going against Big Ten defenses? Now, certainly part of it was the transition, the gigantic change in philosophy and everything going from what Wisconsin was to where they wanted to go under under Fickle and Longo. That is a part of it, too. I'm not trying to put this all on Big Ten defenses, but this ain't a Big Ten defense they were going against. This is an LSU defense that wasn't good all year. My guess is they probably were missing a piece or two. Suddenly, this, this offense explodes. So this would be an example of where I would say, sure, the Big Ten defenses didn't look as good as you would want them to look in some of these bowls. But here is a Big Ten offense that got l- largely you know, slapped around and, and made fun of, and this transition isn't working. I don't think it's a complete coincidence that it exploded off of the screen. Why? Because they aren't playing a Big Ten defense. They're playing uh, 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 a pretty poor LSU defense. Will Pauling, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Bryson Green, 105 yards and a touchdown. A guy named Tretch Kakahuna, four catches, 64 yards. I mean, we got guys that we hadn't even heard before that were popping off the screen. It's just a damn shame that Wisconsin could not pull this out. This would have been another good win for the Big Ten in Bulls in general and over the SEC, but... I don't know. You kind of have to get to the point with these bowl games where you sit there and say, listen, I know the this team or that team didn't actually wind up winning, but when it was that close for that much of the game, it's it, a team won in the end. I don't know what to say. Like nobody proved that one team is leaps and bounds better than the other. This is just what we got out of this bowl game. Yeah, what I've found myself doing more with these bowl games is not looking so much at the game as a whole as more looking at the pieces of the game. You know, what what parts of these teams do I know are coming back next year? What parts yep. of these teams are trying to put NFL tape out there? What part of these teams are, okay, the coach says, this guy's got a shot next year to be a guy for us, and he's, so let's see what he's going to do. That's what I find myself trying to do more as far as yep. a fan, the fan aspect of it goes. 
because the, the outcomes of these games do they they are largely irrelevant. I mean, because there are players missing from all these games. That does happen. For sure. It doesn't take away from the fun factor of this game. This to me was the best bowl game, short of one that we're going to talk about yep. in a little bit to watch, just because it was exciting. I mean, yes, there were a lot of points and there were a lot of yards. But at times, that Wisconsin defense was being nasty. It was looking better. Um, yep. Waller. What's his first name? Is it Hunter Waller? He, Waller. He was all over the place. Waller. Didn't everywhere. didn't know until I heard in this Dude game. He's the, everywhere. He's the only defensive back in the country that had over 100 tackles on the year, which, by the way, isn't typically a great scene, you know, for your no, defense. No, but not. that guy is an all-time badger. He came ready to play. And, you know, and, and continuing on the line that you're put there, Will Pauling, sophomore, he's coming back. Bryson Green Jr., he's coming back. So those those are two good receivers. You need somebody to fill in for Tanner Mordecai because when Tanner Mordecai was healthy and on, like he was in this bowl game, that dude looked, looked good. So And shout out to Tanner Mordecai for coming back to play in this bowl game. So, some, of these, some of these guys would have sat this out. I'm glad he did. It put on a show for anybody watching the game. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough for the Badgers to pull out the victory. Yeah, I think their their hope and dreams rely on Tyler Van Dyke transfer yep. from Miami. You have to hope. I mean, his best years were with Brett Lashley and kind of this more open offense. So, and it's more him staying healthy is probably what it is. Right. Yep. yep. And I'll, I'll I'll precursor that by saying we obviously are trying to focus on these bulls. It's just that at the end of the you know when the for the bull games you start breaking down where it's going. We, we will have a team post view for every single one of these teams in the Big Ten. We will obviously go deeper into that then. We can't do that here for time purposes, but that is something that you can look out for in the next couple weeks, month, or whatever. So with the loss, Wisconsin finishes to 7-6, and six, but you, just ha- you can't help but think if they just closed this game out and they had multiple opportunities to do that, they finish at 8-5, and five, even at 7-6, and six, it's not bad. I'm just saying they were that close to being eight and five in a quote unquote disappointing year for Wisconsin. I think there's, you know, brighter things ahead for the Badgers. Speaking of bright, there wasn't a lot of bright here. Uh, the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, Florida, Tennessee, 35, Iowa, nothing. Yes. Bulls, 383 yards of total offense to the Hawks, 173. I promised anybody tweeting me and DMing me that this would be a quick breakdown. <laughs> It will. I don't want to avoid it. Here it is. Freshman quarterback for the Vols that we both said was talented. We were pretty confident that Phil Parker would figure out ways to confuse him. The issue was they were able to spread things out and run the ball on Iowa. And that freshman quarterback didn't have phenomenal stats throwing the ball. It was more running the ball, three touchdowns on the ground. But you saw the talent in Ayamaliba. And on the other side, obviously, the Iowa offense somehow found a lower level of shit to dig into and put it on display for the whole country. Nice little parting shot there at the end of the season. Yeah, I man, it was. And to me, it all started with, and this is something that you complained about earlier this year, Iowa to the goal line. Yes. And Deacon Hill throws a pick. And it's like, it's 0-0. The game is going exactly the way Iowa wants it to go. You're playing field position. I mean, they even mentioned the punting disparity early on in the game. And you're like, okay, get down here. You run it three times, see if you get in. If not, you take the three and you play back to the game the way you want to play it. They threw that pick. And it's. I said to myself, as soon as he threw that pick, I'm like, it's going to be the end of it. This is going to be the end of it because this offense isn't going to be able to move the ball. Now, I didn't see the defense having as many issues as they did. I mean, I credit a little bit of that to Nico because he was very dynamic very with good. his legs. He made he great good. plays with his legs. I will say the kid's a beanpole. He need, he's going to need to put some weight on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's about one hit from like maybe being out for a while. So, disappointing way for the Hawks season to end. But I think we all know that there's brighter signs ahead for this, this offense. There's a lot of offensive injuries this year. And we'll see what the offensive coordinator hire ends up being. But I think there's brighter futures ahead for this offense. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, well, a little bit brighter. I, I, I hope. I, I I should probably quit saying this out loud, but I, I can't imagine it getting much worse. Speaking of getting much worse, I don't want to call the kid out by name, but I, I, I mean, obviously, I was starting quarterback looked horrible in this game. My anger is not with him, okay? And I don't think most Iowa fans' anger is with him. I think it's in the form of, how can this be our best option, right? 
for example, if you rolled me out at safety right now, I would get beat every time I was out in coverage because I'm old and decrepit. It wouldn't be my fault. It would be the fault of the coaches for putting an old decrepit person out on the field, right? Along those same lines is what we've gotten out of quarterback play. This can't be your best option to play, right? And this is what Iowa fans have been screaming into the void at their television screen while they're at Kinnick. Finally, it finally is so bad in this bowl game. I mean, this was the worst I've seen it as far as quarterback play and offense the entire year. I don't think that's because of the Tennessee defense. I think it was because of the position that it was getting put, he, the offense was getting put in. Finally, we get a change. I put a joke out on Twitter that people DM'd me like crazy. People have said, you gotten, Have you gotten the DM? I have, yeah. The joke I put out was there's a better chance of Selma Hayek sliding into my DMs than a change at quarterback. Right after that, we got a change at quarterback. Did not get Selma Hayek sliding into my DMs. Um, Marco Lanez, who is a Everybody wants the backup quarterback. They want to take a look at the backup quarterback. Jordan, he went in and looked pretty good. Like, I'm not saying he ripped it apart throwing the ball, but his legs, oh my gosh, just like we are so starved for anything positive. Watching Marco get out of trouble, run and pick up a first down right from the get-go when he got the ball. Oh, be still my heart. It was just incredible. <laughs> like, that's how low the bar is. It was that at least good to say that it gives you just a little bit of you know shred of hope and things like that mood in the future like you can already said yeah i mean i, I there's not a whole lot more i can say there's I mean, not I mean, it, you know the you know the d is gonna be good you hope the offense improves the coordinator higher done and there's there's a progression for next season i, I want to give a shout out to uh defensive end joe evans another good game i think he moved up to third or fourth on the all-time sacks uh for the iowa hawkeyes just an ultimate hawkeye Last chance I'll probably get it to say his name on this podcast. So shout out to Joe Evans. And then Jay Higgins had like 100 tackles in this game. Winds up tying the all-time Iowa tackles in a season mark of 171, 171 tackles in a season for Jay Higgins. I really do think the Iowa special teams and defense showed out and hung on as long as they could, given the position that Iowa's offense put them in. With the loss, Iowa finishes 10-4. and four. I'm just saying, if the sky is falling and that sky still brings you 10 wins, it's not that bad, but we'll talk more about that as we head into the you know post-view and looking into the future for these teams. All right, Jordan, you've been patient. That brings us to the Big Ten Game of the Week which obviously was the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, the greatest bowl that ever has been and ever will be anybody that thinks the rose bowl is some old bowl that only old people like can suck an egg perhaps potentially a separate bowl on that right now i'll put a bowl on it this of course rose bowl was also known as the first college football playoff semifinal that we got on new year's day michigan 27 alabama 20 the wolverines with 352 yards of total offense to the Tides, 288. Um, bad start for the Wolverines. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Don't then, say. <laughs> then they took over. Now, here's what I want to say. So seven down 7-0 seven, to the Tide. Twitter is already burying the Wolverines. They're already oh, buried. Dead. Now, you check my, you check, you know, my receipts. I tweeted out when Michigan was still down 7 nothing. All right, folks. If Michigan just goes down and kicks a field goal here and makes it 7-3, to three, <laughs> the game already has a different feel to it. Not only did Michigan do that, they went down and scored a, a touchdown. Now, it, now, was that – help me out. Did, did they miss the PAT there? It was on the first touchdown. The second touch, second, second touchdown. Second touchdown, they missed the PAT. Okay, so they tied it up 7-7. Seven, seven. The ball game was back on. Michigan goes down, scores another touchdown. Should have made it 14-7. to It made it 13-7. Here's my thought and the thought of the ancient Greeks and my brothers and my nephew watching the game. We believed that Michigan was the better team, but just kind of fell asleep. I, I don't know what to say. The game kind of 
got a little bit soggy. I'm not gonna say boring, but a, you know, a little bit mucky. I'll let you take over from here. What are your thoughts up to this point in the game? There, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, first snap of the game, and JJ throws the interception that thank God ends up getting overturned, which I mean, it was rightfully overturned. Yeah, rightfully overturned for sure. I mean, I looked right at my wife when that happened. And I said, boy, this isn't going to go good. <laughs> like, if that was the first snap of the game, holy crap. But honestly, after that snap, they dominated the entire first half. But the muff punt and that first drive, Michigan dominated the first half. Offensively, defensively, they just put, they kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, at five sacks, their defensive line was absolutely obliterating Alabama's yes. offensive line. It was then it wasn't for blitzing. Like they sent no. five. I think they sent six guys one time in the first half. It Otherwise, was mostly it was four, four, four and five man rushes. It was. Yeah. So the first half, I thought I texted one of my buddies. I'm like, honestly, you take away that muff punt. We're killing them. We're blowing them out of this game. And, and everybody agreed. And us Iowa fans, you know, sitting in our living room, watch it. We're saying the same exact thing. I've talked to a couple of our people that watched the game. We saw the same thing. Barrett Salee apparently did not see that. You know, Barrett Salee saw a Michigan no, no. team that was barely hanging on in this game. Yeah. The the special team gaffes, as you said, it nothing would have surprised you more for issues out of Michigan in this game than special teams. I don't know if there's an explanation here, Jordan, but I would think you're happy to see that you got the special teams, you know, poopy diaper out and were able to pull out this win because in most state, most games, when you make those mistakes, you don't pull out the win when you're playing an opponent like this. So I guess in the end, you're, you're, it doesn't bother you that much because you got the win, even though the special teams were, were crazy bad. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I was, I was completely shocked. I mean, the punt return stuff, I kind of get because we've been jumping around punt returners all, all year trying to find the right guy. And honestly, Samaj Morgan, the return against Iowa in the Big Ten title game, that was his first chance actually doing it live in a game. Yeah, was that that game? So I get that a little bit. It still was a lot worse than what it needed to be. The punting was awful, and Tommy Dolman has been excellent all year. Like, I, I mean, our special teams. For years, Crazy. it's been great. So that it was, it was a total shocker. Um, but then, but, like like you said, the, the first half went so well for Michigan. And then I sent a message out, and I said, you know, it's thirteen. I believe it was thirteen ten at halftime. Is that thirteen ten? Yep. Got up. Yep. Yep. And I said, you know, we're up three at the half. Played that terrible. I should feel pretty good. But the fact that Nick Saban's on the other sideline makes me feel really bad right now because I know he's gonna do something. And he's going to adjust something, and it's going to get us. And in my opinion, the adjustments were subtle, which is, number one, they stopped throwing the ball. They Stop. did not Maybe trust yes, they, they did not trust Jalen Milrow, but mostly that, that offensive Alabama line. offensive line. We, talk, we touched on that. I, I think I was more confident in the matchup for Michigan's D-line with, with Alabama's offensive line. Now, I was wrong on this game, too. By the way, I want to be clear on that. And by the way, I think the stats was something like Michigan uh, uh Alabama's offensive line had never given up more than 3 sacks in a game all year and there was 4 in the oh, first half. There's 5 in the first half. 5. So, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. They had never given up Well, I know that they'd sacks. given up 46 sacks coming into the game, which is quite a bit. That's they the must most have spread it. that's the most Alabama quarterback had get, had taken since Freddie Kitchens was what the stat had said. Okay. So with that being said, I know that was the most sacks they had given up in a game all year. That would be an example of a Big 10 defense showing what we are, which is a tough attacking Big 10 defense. So for all you naysayers out there that think the Big 10 just has good defense because of offense, I think I would ask you to, to question Jalen Milrow because he he was struggling throwing the ball 16 of 23 116 yards throwing the ball and rushing the ball was pretty good he had 63 yards rushing but on 21 carries and i know we got sacks worked into that but it wasn't like he was ripping michigan's defense apart on the ground either long story short at 288 yards of total offense michigan's defense simply was better than alabama's offense 
and these are the stats that that prove it out, right? I mean, well, I I'm going so, to bat for for you. It sounded like a proud fan, so so you don't have to, but looked well, obvious to me. There's another piece to this passing number that people aren't talking about enough. He completed 16 passes for 116 yards, right? One of those passes went for 29 yards. So that means 15 passes were under 100 yards in total passing. So he was completing his passes at an average of like four to five yards a clip. And that specifically says, I don't trust you or my team, my line, enough to give you enough time to throw the ball down the field. They took like three deep ball shots. None of them were even realistic shots. They were just throw it up there and see what happens. And so, I mean, it's a credit to the Michigan defense. It is. And I was talking to my guy, Mark, uh, today. What he said is Michigan deserves credit for not freaking out and essentially saying this is who we are and not trying to overreach. They just stayed Michigan, and it won them the game. because this team is old. There you go. I've been preaching this all year. This team is old. These guys have been through it. That I 100% think that last year's team loses this game. And what you saw, a lot of it, like for the the box score for the Alabama running backs, I mean, they had 172 yards rushing on 43 carries, so that's a 4.0-yard average. Uh, Chase McClellan, 87 yards. Jalen Miller, what was he said? We had 63. Haynes had 31. What I'm saying is in the second half, their only option was to me, it looked like they switched to a zone blocking scheme and were just meshing it up and were able to get out. It caught Minter by surprise for a while, but I think there was an adjustment there. Took Michigan a little bit too long, but the defense re-responded because, I mean, what did we have for... Uh, uh, because we, we got up to, yeah, I mean, it was Alabama 17 13. They got the first yes. uh, touchdown in the second half. That's pretty much the score we had for you know, uh, 20 to 13. Going yeah, down 13 to 10 is the score we had all through the third quarter. And then Alabama scores a touchdown, goes up 17 13, adds a field goal. Nobody was feeling good cheering for Michigan at that point when it was 20 to 13. I was tweeting out, Michigan has got to make something happen offensively or force a Milrow turnover on the defense to get into the game. They did it, didn't get a point out of it. And I think it was 17-13 at that point, if I can remember correctly. Yes, now, we finally, now we finally switched to the other side. It's crazy. When I went to look at these stats, I didn't expect it to look like this. J.J. McCarthy, 17-27, 221 yards, three, three touchdowns. I, I didn't even remember him throwing the three touchdowns in the game. They, the mystical powers of this kid to wind up winning the game, have a decent stat line, but you don't feel great about how he's playing in the game. Jordan, I can't I can't put my hands around it. I, I do you am I looking at JJ too hard? Do you think I'm looking at him too hard? Because I'm not alone on this. What's your take on the Michigan offense, JJ? how it looked for stretches of the game thoughts. I think the reason that it feels that way is because how it started. So you automatically have the okay. bad taste in your mouth. Yes. Of, oh God, this is TCU from last year. Again, he's yes. going to more picks. And then there were some very simple throws that he didn't make. Specifically, there was a, a stop route to Cornelius Johnson that he threw eight feet over his head. I mean, it was a very routine throw. A lot of like the middle, the middle of the field routes that he normally is very accurate with. They were behind receivers, or the one to Samaj Morgan. He threw it a million miles an hour, threw it right through his hands. It felt a lot of this game like when he was expected to yeah. throw the ball, he was pressing just a little bit. Let so me I think that's where that that's came where it comes. from because it, it felt fair. like it felt like he was trying so hard. But at the end of the day, he stayed in the offense. He did exactly what I said he had to do. You can't make the big mistake. And he got, and I said he needed three touchdowns. <laughs> he, he, that was true too. We we both got a, a piece of being correct with that. I would actually say you were a little bit more correct than me. Let me ask you this: Truth be told, was there a couple screams at your screen about JJ while watching okay. this game? Okay, okay. When he threw that ball over Cornelius's head, I'm like, Jesus, JJ, come! What are we doing? Like, come okay. on. Yeah, like that and, one was and, that one was massive. You get that's a throw you have to have. 
because it's an easy first down and it gets the offense moving. And it was that's a throw that he's made blindfolded, it seems like. He did. He seemed like he was pressing a lot in this game. But at the end of the day, yep. some of the plays that he made, like the trick play where Donovan Edwards just kind of throws it back and he that, catches it with one I'm hand. I'm glad you brought that up. And if, if you watch when he does this, it's he insane. catches that with his right hand, never adjusts the ball. And just threw it. And just throws it that was perfectly incredible. down the field to Rowan Wilson. That was a live ball if he doesn't catch it. That was a backwards pass. That was that insane. Game, that game is completely over if he doesn't make that play. I agree. Oh, or, I mean, he could have just caught it and went down, you know, and I right. wouldn't have blamed him if that's what he was to get anything out of that. Uh, if Blake Corum gives him a better flea flicker, you know, back to him, that was that probably going to be a touchdown. But in the end, the big play that needed to be made was made. This will go down in Michigan lore, a tipped pass at the line of scrimmage, but Somehow, that awesome kid tipped about every damn ball he threw. I tell you what, dude. That I don't know if that guy's that kid's just a master at getting his hands on the ball. That's like his job. But it was incredible how many tip balls there were. But the ball gets just barely tipped, floats in the air, dude. Roman Wilson, that catch again. Like I, in that moment, I just I I don't know if people stop and think enough. The stage, the eyeballs on you. The pressure, all of that. Now, you're just playing ball, I get it. But to go up and make that catch, it froze the Alabama defense, and then he skirts around to the side. That was where everybody watching that game stood up and was like, holy crap, we got a ball game here. Amazing well, it play. Felt like he, it kind of felt like he floated because him and the Alabama defenders that were behind him, they both kind of mistimed it, and I think it because of it being tipped. If you watch it, when it gets tipped, it almost looks like the trajectory goes up a little bit on it. Yes, it But did. somehow stayed a completely perfect spiral. I, the laws weird. of physics were broken on that throw. I have no idea how that worked. But That was insane. There's, there's already people that have taken that that a screenshot from behind of him making that catch and then the Braylon Edwards catch against Michigan State. And like, you know. Yep. It's a hell of a play. Roman Wilson's been our best receiver. He was largely taken out of this game by Kool-Aid McKinstry, but he came up big with two or three huge plays being open and being in the right spot at the right time. And again, it just like, I can't, I know I've said it a lot and it's probably getting old, but these are guys that have been here. They're old and experienced and they've just been through this shit and they've, they felt it all. And they got it. That's they came. Why, that's why they won this game. And then Roman Wilson is the one that catches the touchdown pass to tie it up and make it 20 to 20. Now, the interesting part of that is you predicted, I believe, 24 to 20. Had Michigan made the PAT in the field goal, they would have been up 24 to 20 at that time. So good on you. You were you were dialed into this game. Instead, we get extra football and we go into overtime. I mean, it's anybody's game at this point. Me, I had advantage Alabama. Why? I didn't trust your kicker at this point, whereas Riker, there. The, That's the, fair. Okay, the all-time leading NCAA point maker ever, right? Is Dude, the guy was just launching field goals. Remember those, Alabama, kicks were, those kicks were good from 60, I mean. Oh, my gosh. Remember Alabama had issues with, with field goal kickers for the longest time? Ironic there a little bit. So he is just launching balls. So I don't feel great. I'm like, I wonder if Michigan is going to have to score a touchdown you know, in order to to win this game, I mean, obviously that's always the goal, but you know where I'm getting at here. Like, you 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 didn't feel good about how everything matched up. Boom, two plays, Blake Corum, one big run, one huge run. Roman Wilson, I don't know, he had play 1A, but Blake Corum had play 1B in this game as far as Michigan lore. Carrying people into the end zone, you had to have been screaming about as loud as you've ever screamed in, in inside the, the household when that went down. Well, my son had just fallen asleep, so it was like <laughs> I'm trying not to be too loud. I'm running around. Yeah, it, there, there was a lot of there was a lot of intensity going on. But to me, Blake Corum needs a moment of this because that touchdown gave him the all-time rushing. Oh. Wow. Michigan. for rushing I, I miss i miss that so not only that did it win the college football playoff against alabama and the sec it tied the all-time that's dude no, that's like it. he was tied. broke it Bro broke it, it made him the the the, the all-time leader in rushing touchdowns at michigan that's, that I is mean, insane that's Michigan's insane had a lot of great running backs in their history 
you're going to have a hard time convincing me that any of them had a better career than Blake Corum, especially if Michigan finishes this off. You could maybe make an argument somebody's equal, but to be better would probably be tough to, to argue. But the game's not yeah, over, right? Alabama now right. has a possession in overtime themselves pretty quickly get it down to, you know, deeper inside. I think they were inside the 10 yard line, 12 yard line, seven, something like seven that. or eight, something like seven, that eight yeah. yard line. One, two, three plays that really don't too much. By the way, a couple question, questionable play calls in that first, second and third down. If, if you ask me, I, I didn't really see much of an issue on the throw down, you know, by the, the goal line. I mean, I feel like defenders, Tug and pull a little bit all the time. By the way, uh, they hadn't been calling anything like that all game. That's what I'm saying. They won't call it there. That's what I meant. And the other thing, I think in these games, I'm teaching my old line to grab because they don't call a lot of, of oh no of holding calls. These these bigger games, the referees tend to swallow their whistles more, which I think is good. Let it's players good. play. Now, if there's an egregious penalty, you gotta, you gotta call, call it. it. But like, I think let them play for the most part. I I, I thought I thought Alabama and Tennessee were quite grabby in in these games i swear that's that's something that they're teaching these sec offensive lines so that we get we get a fourth and goal from the two and a half three uh uh, uh, alabama chooses to put the ball in the best player's hands which is Jaden miller i mean he had um uh, jalen miller excuse me he had done this play a couple times in the game i don't know if you've seen a couple of the cutouts on this but cut ups on this play but I think it was designed as more of a trap play to leak out the left side. Bad snap again, which was a huge part of this game. He has to go down and get it, readjust his eyes. At that point, you are feeling so freaking anxious as a as a ball carrier. I guarantee he probably thought he saw a little bit of a hole and tried to just jam it up in there. Michigan was waiting for him right there, munches it, game, game over. So I think there were other pieces to this also because I sent that running back in motion and there's some that say now Nick Saban said it was a quarterback run. So you take him for what it, that's what it was. It's a quarterback run. A lot of the smart football brains have said they think that was actually an RPO. And the first read is to hit that running back on that swing pass because both receivers block. And then you have the line, the backside linebacker is trying to chase that running back down. And it's basically a race to the goal line. The bad snap takes that out of play. Now the bad or, snaps, or at least I makes it more some, challenging. Yeah, right. It makes it a whole lot harder to make that throw. Like to be yep. able to eyes go down, find ball, find it's, it's a whole lot harder than like you said, the anxiety and your instincts just kick in. The bad snaps were they were a huge point all game, and it showed up on this play. And Michigan was doing something that I don't know if a lot of people noticed when the bad snaps started happening. After that, every single snap they lined somebody up right on the center. top of it put they some pressure lined up on him. a true nose every, and they weren't just lining right up on him and going at him they were lining up on him and crossing his face okay. to force that center to get the snap quick and make his first punch make him react more so make, make him, him think, think. every single snap after the first couple of those bad snaps they had so they had a true nose lined up on him every single time and there was on that play too that's coaching that that's scheming you don't just that doesn't that's not just Michigan doesn't play a true nose very often, but they were doing it in this game. Little another subtle things. Piece, Little subtle another things, piece baby. of this play that and it's the, the whole game in general, but this play in particular, the reason this play blew up short of the bad snaps. The bad snap obviously causes this play to be just completely offline from the jump. Josiah Stewart, a six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pound defensive and transfer from Coastal Carolina absolutely wrecks the five-star offensive tackle, J.C. Latham from Alabama, and pushes him right back into Milrow where he's trying to run. And that's actually who Milrow trips over. Okay. The, the point I want to make here is the transfer portal and the home run that Michigan hit in the transfer portal with this team. They had a few spots on this team that they knew coming in. They were a little bit weak, and every single one of the guys that they picked up that played made a huge impact in this game Josiah Stewart was a, I did corner. see that I did see the the one of the re-breakdowns on that play him crashing down and the play that he made on that was was pretty incredible yep um yeah I mean Stewart had and he had two another sack earlier in the game Josh Wallace is the second corner been huge 
The two offensive linemen, huge. And then another piece that got missed is Junior Colson got hurt in this game and had to leave. Entered Nebraska transfer, Ernest Hausman. You'd have never known that Junior Colson wasn't in the game because Hausman stepped right in and played like he had been there the whole year. So the transfer portal, something that Michigan hit a home run on this year. And I think that their, their, their scheme on the defense of moving that true nose in played a huge, a huge factor also. So in the end, what do we get? We get a Michigan victory, 27 to 20. They finished the, uh, or I should say they are standing at 14 and 0, and they move on to the college football playoff championship to play who? The Washington Huskies. Uh, Washington wins 37 to 31 over the Texas Longhorns. That was an incredible game as well. I don't know Man. if you were able to, because that's late uh, when you're on East Coast time. So you had to stay up late to check that game out. Um, for people that missed it, I, I can't imagine a, a ton of people listening to this podcast missed it, but it, it was late. Washington had this game put away up 13 late in the game. Texas gets the ball back. Washington goes in the typical prevent defense, which, you know, prevents you from winning as the joke goes, goes right down the field and scores. Washington gets the ball back. We thought put the game away. The running back carries the ball gets hurt brother you gotta if, if there's bone sticking out of your leg you have got to get out of the game but he lays on the field officials have to call it official timeout stops the clock it gives it would have been down to like 10 seconds had washington punting the ball back to texas instead they get a bad punt a penalty on the punt return for kickback interference just like that, Texas has got 40-some seconds on the field. They're in business. Go down the field. I thought they were going to lose. I mean, I, I really thought that's not how the college football gods go. You lose the game when that happens, when that stuff happens. Especially they, when you got a play caller like Sark. I, would, I was disappointed in the play calls that he put out there, I thought. For re- yeah, a little bit. And in, in that situation, it's almost like, you, like you're, you're, you're looking for your best two-point play, essentially. Correct. So you, you got to have – they all have four or five of these just drawn up and ready. I, I just, It was crazy. Was and then shout out to whoever that uh, defensive back was for Washington because he jumped up, knocked that ball down, game over, Washington pulls it out. That was absolutely incredible play by that defensive back to have the wherewithal of your brain and body control to knock it down. Washington pulls it out. My gosh. There's not, it still has enough written and been said about the fact that Washington almost gacked that thing away. A couple, you know, time management things. I think Kalen DeBoer could have run the ball more to cut a little bit more time off a little bit earlier in the game. Wasn't his fault, in my mind, that the player got hurt and didn't get off the field. I wouldn't, I don't think that's Kalen DeBoer's fault there. But a couple things before that. Long story short, Washington pulls the game out, and we have what is already being billed as an all-big championship, which is delighting people like me and you. You know, I know there are people that will never cheer for Michigan in a thousand years, right? I understand this. But there were non-Michigan fans that were confiding in me that they were happy Michigan beat that. It would have been a Bad bowl season for the Big Ten had Michigan not pulled it out. Now we get the double gift of Texas getting tossed out, who's going to the SEC, Alabama getting tossed out, and two teams that will be in the Big Ten Conference next year, and the ABC Network has to cover it, whether they like it or not. Oh, man, it's just a tasty little treat that we get to look forward to on Monday night. And a reunion of the Penix and the Big Ten. Oh, baby. And the Penix was up and ready to go on that game last night. Over 400 yards of offense, just dropping dimes. So great night of football. I got to cut this thing off here a little bit. But is there anything you want to add here, Jordan? No, I I mean, emotional roller coaster of a day. Hell of a way to end it. I'm excited for Monday. Um, Well, obviously, we'll get back on here and we'll break down the game here in the time coming. But I'm excited. We got one more game left of the we season, do. which is sad, but I, it's the happy one for I'm you. Looking forward to so. In the first time in the history of the Eyes on Big podcast, we have the chance to talk about extra football in the form of a Big Ten team being in the college football playoff. All it took was bringing a member of the fan base of that team onto the podcast. Obviously, the Eyes on Big podcast controls the universe. We just <laughs> have more proof here. That's all it took. We, I, we knew this was coming from day one. We, absolutely. That's why I signed up. 
congratulations to you. Happy New Year to everybody else. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.